Hello, Winnipeg Jets fans. After a, uh, a day or so of reflection, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from y'all. And based on the opinions and, and thoughts that y'all provided in the comments, on Twitter, and in our polls, I thought I'd dive deeper into the fan sentiment around the idea of a rebuild and why, you know, I, I've kind of come to terms with it, but why a lot of folks might not really be feeling the same across the Winnipeg Jets fan base. We'll dive into this issue and some really good points that I think people brought up in just a little bit, all coming up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On, the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode, but mostly, we just really love and appreciate your support. So again, thank you so much for listening to us. And uh, on to tonight's topics, which I thought were pretty interesting. I, I got a lot of feedback and comments from uh, Jets fans who were listening to the previous podcast or two. Uh, obviously, I asked a number of questions on Twitter uh, and got pretty interesting results about the idea and the feasibility of a rebuild. And I kind of wanted to explore some of the comments in particular that I thought raised some really interesting points. Uh, one of them that kind of came up was um, uh, somebody who commented that, you know, the Jets, um, it, it's really hard to sell this to the fan base because right now fans have been watching a pretty mediocre product for the past several years. And this commenter, I thought, made the really good point that, you know, when you go through a rebuild, it takes four or five years. And the Jets, ever since relocating in 2011, uh, 2011 you know, they've tried to build this thing. They have trusted the process, uh, amassed a lot of prospects over the years and developed a core. And the idea of having to tear it down again and start over, you know, th this wasn't really palatable. Uh, you know, players like Hellebuck, Wheeler, Shifley, Dubois, Connor, none of these guys were players that uh, this commenter felt really should be traded. And in a lot of ways, I actually feel the same way. Uh, I, I think on a personal level, it's been very frustrating as a fan uh, to watch this team kind of spin in circles over the years. Uh, you know, ever since 2017, 2018, that was for me the pinnacle of Winnipeg hockey. I, I felt like that was what the Jets should aspire to be. And I knew that the team would take a step back in the following seasons. What I don't think I really expected was for Winnipeg to basically just kind of move away from a lot of what made it su successful. Uh, if, if you look at the last couple of years um, of Winnipeg draft picks, right? How many of them do you think have actually played more than like 50 to 100 games. It's a very, very small sample. I think Logan Stanley has probably played more than most other Jets prospects, um, which, you know, Stanley tries really hard. I think he's a really hardworking kid, and obviously he puts everything uh, of himself out on the ice out there. But unfortunately, you know, the, re the results just haven't really been there for me. Um, and I think, you know, long term, 
Stanley probably projects as a depth defender. There are players like David Gustafson. You know, you've got, um, of course, Christian Besselinen, who has gone back overseas. There are a number of prospects. You know, Vili Heinle, I've always been a very big fan of. Uh, but, you know, you look at some of the guys on the farm who haven't really been called up all that much, who haven't really been given a chance to make the NHL team. Dylan Sandberg, you know, partly because of injury, but also I feel like the Jets were just maybe trying to uh, over-marinate him a bit with the minor league team. Um, Dylan hasn't really had a chance to break out until the past, I would say, few months towards the end of the season, which again, you know, partly was due to injury, but also because I felt like the Jets were just not really looking to give him um, a particularly big role yet. I think that they felt their defense was set. The same thing could kind of be said of Leon Gavanki, uh, and and I, I do get it to a point, right? Gavanki, out of all those guys, he's a bit of a bigger risk. But I kind of look at where the Jets really made their bread and butter, which was giving younger players a chance to shine alongside their seasoned veterans. And when they did that, I think that this team became something special. Um, and so I kind of think about this this issue of the rebuild that this commenter brought up, and I think the reality is Winnipeg might not have a choice. If you look at their uh, contract situation on Spot Track, which is a really good way to get like an at a glance view of their multi year deals, unfortunately, Winnipeg in about two years is going to have a ton of extensions and not a lot of uh, answers as to how to handle them, right? Because Hellebuck's going to be what, 31, 32, maybe? Um, probably 31, I would say. I think his birthday might be a little bit later, I forget. But, you know, at that age, as a goaltender, <clears throat> you know, the average goalie does tend to start to decline around 30-ish and into the mid to late 30s. Obviously, that performance can take a really big dip. I don't think Hellebuck is quite, you know, (laughs) in that same category of like average keepers, to to put it lightly, but you do wonder, is he the kind of guy that you want to commit another five or six years to, uh, especially into his 30s when maybe his durability starts to be an issue, maybe his performance decreases. It's really hard to know what exactly his projection is uh, because again, right now he is a really elite goaltender, but you know, he's had an extreme workload over the past couple of years and you do wonder, can he keep up with it? Then you look at some of the other guys like Shifley, who doesn't really seem, I, I don't know. I don't get the sense that he wants to stick around the fact that he hasn't really committed to Winnipeg, uh, and that there's not really been rumors of him maybe being eager to stay. I, I kind of worry that he's also not really interested in being a part of the score Uh, And based on his performance on the ice over the past couple of years uh, and his body language, his interviews and stuff, I kind of feel like it might just be best for both parties if he started to think about maybe his next venture. Um, And and unfortunately, you start talking about these guys, you start thinking in the longer term picture, and I just don't really know how the Jets avoid a rebuild. And I think you have to kind of get ahead of it because this is the time when a lot of these players still have pretty crazy trade value. If you were to offer Shifley um, and some of the other guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who doesn't seem like he wants to stay either. I mean, this is probably when you're going to get the best trade offers. We saw what happened when the Jets tried to convince Truba to stay. That didn't really work out. And I think that they did end up getting a bit of a weaker offer compared to what was being um, rumored to have been offered to the Jets before ultimately he was sent to New York. So it's a dicey situation. And I think as a fan, it's very frustrating. But I, I think when a lot of us were saying post 2017, 2018, the Jets needed to keep retooling and working around that roster and that core. This is what we meant when we were kind of pissed off that the Jets didn't really do anything. 
consistently signing guys who were like third or fourth liners um, looking for seventh defenders to take up really big roles. That's not how you build a contender, especially a repeat team. And I think the Jets fell so short of that. And so the last three to four years, that was their cup window. That was their chance to do something with this core. And it just didn't really maximize any of the potential. And I, I think for that, I have been really frustrated. And now it's kind of left them very little choice. So in a little bit, we'll talk about some of the other comments, because I think people are kind of in, in split minds here. Um, obviously, the rebuild is not something that I think any of us wants to really talk about uh, or even imagine. But given the options the Jets have ahead of them, I, I don't really see how they avoid this. We'll talk about, you know, what some of the other points have been in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out one of our wonderful partners at BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You'll find all the latest sports developments, including this year's uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, as well as Major League Baseball scores and everything in between. If you're into NFL futures, F1, IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, horse racing when the Triple Crown rolls around, uh, even European football, they've got tons of that. All the fun stuff that you could possibly imagine, all the sports you're into, they've got you covered. And even if you're not into sports, no problem. They've also got Vegas casino games so that all bases are covered no matter what you're interested in. They continue to be your number one source for all the sports scores, podcasts, news, uh, esports, live betting, and wagering information you could possibly need. So you'll always make the most informed bets possible every single time. It's the best way to check in on other sports like MMA, boxing, and golf. You'll get live updates and really, who doesn't love staying informed? Getting started really couldn't be easier. All you have to do is register for a free account at betonline.net on your laptop or mobile device. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Uh, For tonight's show, like I said uh, earlier, we're just taking a bit of a step back and addressing some of the fan comments that I got. I think that there were some very interesting points made, and I'm getting a lot of frustration from folks uh, not at us, but at, at more the broader situation the Jets find themselves in. Before we kind of dive into a few more comments, though, just wanted to say again, thank you so much for choosing to make Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now, kind of jumping back into uh, the, the fan feedback, I, I've gotten, again, a lot of mixed responses. Some commenters are kind of like not really on board with the idea of a rebuild. Some people feel that it's it's maybe too soon to be talking about this question. Some folks don't think it's going to happen at all. And one comment I got that was kind of interesting was, um, you know, if you just trade Wheeler's contract and resign the free agents, things will be fine. And I think the problem with this this line of thinking uh, is that I I don't think that that many of the guys want to come back. Uh, I think Paul Stastny's comment towards the end of the year, um, I think it was either after the last game or something, that really spoke volumes about where the locker room is. And this has kind of been one of the things that I haven't talked a lot about on the podcast, because to some degree, you do have to speculate and rely on rumors. But of course, you know, around Winnipeg, things aren't all that secret. Um, And I think the the Jets locker room in particular has been uh, a sore spot for a number of years. I've heard all sorts of stuff about how uh, the leadership in the room kind of had a bit of a divide and how some of the players took one side. Others, you know, the younger guys were maybe on a different page. And so you kind of got this friction, and I think Paul Maurice was never really able to corral those guys and get them to sort of agree on something. So um, a a number of players on other podcasts uh, have said that the locker room culture was really toxic. Now, I don't know how much I want to put stock into it, but that does tend to align with some of the stuff that I've heard. 
And if that's still the case, do you really want to bring back uh, some of the players involved with this? It might be why Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't really interested in staying around because maybe he feels like the culture of the team isn't great. Uh, maybe he feels the direction isn't moving in the right way. And, you know, it's, it, I'd love for it to be a really simple solution that everyone after this upcoming season uh, kind of puts aside and buries the hatchet and starts to mend fences. But that's not really how workplaces function. And I think with the Jets, whatever problems that have been going on in the room have been going on for a very long time. And it's not something that you can just patch up in one year. Uh, I, I think it's going to take some departures. Um, Wheeler will obviously be one of the biggest ones. Uh, it's really a shame that the captain, you know, is kind of going to exit on these sort of terms. I wish it was a happier circumstance, but I think he also kind of recognizes, uh, you know, both in his playing career and maybe, you know, with the personal relationships with his teammates, it might have just run its course. Winnipeg has kind of been spinning in circles, and I think guys are just kind of done with it, and I, I really can't blame them. Um, you know, Shifley has also kind of watched a lot of his prime sort of fall to the wayside, and this is like his best chance at winning a cup. That was 2017, 2018, and the years right after that, and, and now those have kind of gone away. So I think he feels the team hasn't really committed to him enough, uh, and it, I think it's showing in, in some of his effort levels. And so, like I said earlier, I just don't really think the Jets can avoid the rebuild uh, as much as I wish they would. Um, I don't know if they can actually go away from it. Now, I don't think it's going to be as full scale as I, I think they should do it if they have to go this route. Uh, that I, I do see some sentiments of, and I, I kind of agree with that maybe. Uh, Winnipeg's offseason this year, it's like one of the rare times where I just don't know what they're going to do. I have no real idea of what their plan is. They haven't made much public. And I, I think plan A was trots. And after that, it's kind of like, who knows? Uh, if, if Scott O'Neill takes over as head coach, uh, Winnipeg's upcoming season is probably not going to be all that great. Um, I'd be more in favor of like a brunette type or, or maybe even Morrison or Vincent. I want somebody who's a little bit unusual for this team, uh, maybe younger and more progressive offensively. I don't mind if the team is bad so long as it's fun to watch. I think my main complaint over the last few years was like, it's just watching Hellebuck basically make save after save and the rest of the team just sort of fumble around. And it's not really all the players' faults either. I think that there were very you know clear uh, systematic issues with how deployments were run, um, on-eye strategies were laid out, and you know the roster wasn't really given a lot of support. So you know watching guys flounder, it's kind of like, well, it's obvious. The team around them and the structure above really didn't give them the kind of support that they needed to really be successful. So the only way the Jets can really acquire that top-end true talent of a team like Colorado is to tank and go for high draft picks. And I, I, I don't like saying that, but uh, you know, 2023 is going to be one of the deepest drafts out there. And if this is a time when you think you need to start gutting the team and start over, you know, there's no better time than to have one of the top drafts with guys like Bedard available, right? I, I don't, I don't want to watch a rebuild, but I don't know that the Jets really have a choice. And the more I look at the situation, and the more I look at you know the fractures within within the team, within the organization, and the lack of results and success, the more I become comfortable with the idea of, of starting over and tearing it down. And look, I get it. A lot of you are are just thinking, oh, here goes another three to four years, maybe even five or more, kind of pissed away. And I, <laughs> I can't say I disagree with that, to be honest. Uh, it, it is going to be really painful. But, you know, Colorado was what, like dead last in the league uh, for a bit. And you look at how 
They've risen from the ashes in a pretty short span of time, and now they've won a cup. Who's to say that couldn't be the Jets? Winnipeg starts along the same path. They commit to uh, understanding and rebuilding and reorganizing how the team is run. You know, you rely more on stats uh, analysis and deeper insights into what makes player outcomes successful and build around that. You might actually start to see something really special take shape. I've always been a big believer in the Jets as a team with a ton of potential. And, you know, over the past couple of years, obviously, uh, my view has dimmed significantly of that. But I still think with the right changes and the right reorganization, I think Winnipeg can still pull something out, but it's probably not going to be with this core. I hate to, you know, look at it that way, but I think the time for this version of the Jets to do something, that was that one season against Vegas. And unfortunately, they fell short. Uh, you know, that, that'll be for me one of the truly greatest teams of this era to not win a cup. Um, I would put them on par with easily with like Tampa, with Colorado, uh, those true giants. That was how good that Jets team was. And it's a shame that they never followed up on it with anything meaningful. But, you know, we can't unring the bell. And at this point, you can only move forward and try and solve some of those problems. But, you know, again, it, it is what it is. We'll, you know, get a better sense of how the Jets handle this. I know some people are skeptical of, of the Jets actually going, a re, you know, a full rebuild. And to some degree, I also actually agree with that thought because um, when has Winnipeg ever really shaken things up? Pretty rare. This is the first season where, you know, there have definitely been some major changes, especially to the coaching staff and, and maybe even higher. Who knows? But uh, yeah, for now, we'll keep monitoring the situation and reporting as it comes. Hopefully the Jets give us some more clarity and insight into their head coaching search in just a little bit. But uh, towards the end of this episode, I did want to kind of change gears and talk about um, just something on a personal level and uh, stop talking about the Jets for a brief bit, because at some point, you know, Winnipeg has kind of disappointed us and you can only be so sad about hockey for so long. We'll talk about this personal thing in just a little bit and uh, you know, I'll catch you right after the break. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are closing out tonight with uh, a little bit of a change of pace. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I know that, you know, I have a little bit of a liner in here, but from me to you as, you know, a podcaster to y'all, the listeners and watchers, I just wanted to say thank you so much. This past month or two for uh, Locked On Jets has been one of the biggest months we've ever had, um, one of the biggest stretches of, of, of viewership, of interaction and engagement. And it's all thanks to y'all. Uh, it's really been amazing. Ship and number I've never really seen on our, our audio only podcast. And so, again, I'm just really thankful. You guys have been wonderful in supporting this podcast and really engaging. It's given me some really great insights from the fan base. Uh, and it's allowed to, you know, like tonight's episode was really only possible because you all were interacting and engaging. So, I just wanted to say thank you. I really hope that y'all continue to uh, give us feedback and engage with us. We love talking about the Jets. Um, and obviously across our entire Locked On Network, we've had really big growth over the past year or so. And we just really love seeing what fans have to say. Um, ultimately, you know, I think for the Jets especially, <clears throat> that fan feedback is a really critical thing because how many people even know who the Winnipeg Jets are? Probably not that many. Of, of course, we all joke about there not being an airport in Winnipeg, but uh, obviously the team at times has been in the news and headlines. But, it, you know, currently with the Canadian market, it's all Toronto and Montreal and all those other teams. 
uh, Edmonton as well. And Winnipeg has always been for me on the on the back burner. And I, I feel like the Jets deserve more recognition. And I wish the team played at a level that deserved it as well. So again, thank you so much for listening to us. It's been an amazing couple of years. I joined in November of 2019, if you can believe it, about uh, getting to be closer to three years now, which is honestly pretty crazy. You know, this network sometimes has some decent turnover. So uh, to have y'all continue to hang around, some of you are just joining recently, ever since we moved to YouTube. Uh, Some of you might have been around for a lot longer, maybe since the start of the podcast. Thank you to the OGs. Thank you to the new ones who have joined. It's been an incredible journey, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, how this podcast continues to evolve. And hopefully y'all will join me along on this journey, and hopefully we'll get to see uh, a really cool Jets team over the next couple of years. Uh, I will still be, (laughs) I know that I do have sometimes a, a bit of a realist or a pessimist streak, but, you know, part of me just desperately wants to grab onto something and uh, really be excited about it. You know, for the first time next year, I, I think this is the first time I'm legit looking forward to seeing what the Jets do, uh, to seeing what the team looks like. You know, uh, we had a comment saying somebody uh, felt, you know, there were predictions that the Jets would go really deep in the playoffs this year, uh, this past season. And I didn't actually have that prediction myself. I felt like Winnipeg maybe would get in with some of the changes. I thought they'd be more watchable. Uh, and in some ways they were, in many other ways they definitely weren't. Um, but this is the first offseason where we don't really know what the Jets are going to look like next year. So, you know, there's eager uh, excitement, there's anticipation. Uh, obviously the Trots buzz really kind of kicked off a pretty entertaining offseason, even if ultimately it ended in disappointment. But, you know, coming up, we're all going to be really, I guess, excited or maybe a little bit nervous to see how the Jets proceed. And uh, we'll be, you know, covering this every step of the way alongside you. So again, from me to you, thank you so much for watching us and uh, supporting us throughout, you know, the past couple of years. It's been amazing since taking over the host role uh, of Locked On Jets. I was like one of the last Canadian hosts to join. So again, thank you so much. And uh, just really appreciate having you along and, uh, you know, watching and talking about the Jets. And that actually, you know, for tonight's episode, that is going to be kind of how I want to leave it off. I think for the next couple of days and weeks, obviously we're building up towards the draft and I'll do maybe a couple of prospect profiles, some guys who are are possibly going to fall to the Jets, you know, thinking about what players might really fit Winnipeg's longer term future core, because if ever there was a time to start amassing talent, you know, two first round picks this year, this is a great place to start, even if a lot of people feel this particular draft maybe isn't as good as some others. That doesn't mean that you're still not going to be able to grab some really great talent, hopefully in the first couple of rounds. But again, for tonight's episode, this is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. As always, thank you so much and uh, have a great night and go Jets go.